0: Hey, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Group Practice Exchange Podcast. This week, I have Julie Harris from Green Oak Accounting with me. How many times have you been on now? I feel like I um, It Probably, I think this is the third now. Third? Yeah. I'm excited. I always love having you. Same. I love being here. We're going to be talking about profit first percentages and how they vary by size. So I feel like that's something that gets brought up a lot is figuring out your numbers, first of all. And when people put their numbers in my Facebook group, it confuses other people who are like, whoa, like that is a low owner's draw percentage. And other people are like, I'm giving 50%. And I feel like people don't understand how profit first changes depending on where you're at financially and what size you're at. Yeah. It varies a lot depending on the size of the business And also
1: in Profit First, there's caps, which are current allocation percentages, and taps, which is target allocations. The cap really is where practice is today. Not where they wish they were, but like the true realistic where they are today. And so sometimes that's going to be lower than what you wish it was, but like that is the reality. And then the goal with Profit First is that slowly over time, we move towards the target allocation. But as a practice grows, there's naturally going to be some changes there because the practice owners is typically doing less and less work over time, having to hire maybe more infrastructure type people, right? Like more overhead people, like a biller and perhaps a practice manager, some overhead phone or intake positions. Yeah. And then leadership. Exactly. So as you add all of those, you're making more in dollars, but not always more in a percentage.
0: Yep. Okay. I know I just jumped you right into here, but tell people who you are. I mean, I feel like because i mention you constantly when people talk about anything related to accounting or Profit First, your name shows up. I highly doubt anyone doesn't know you, but who are you?
1: Yeah. I'm Julie Harris. I'm the owner of Green Oak Accounting, an accounting firm that specializes in working with therapists in private practice. I'm also the author of the upcoming Profit First for Therapists. I'm so, sure if you
0: were going to say it. Yeah. I'm,
1: yeah. The, the cat is out of the bag. We're definitely talking about that now. So I'm customizing the Profit First book specifically for therapy, just because there's a lot of questions that come up around exactly how to implement it.
0: Okay. So one question that I get a lot and I give my non-accounting piece of feedback and, oh my gosh, if I'm wrong, I'm sorry, everyone. (laughs) What do you do with clinician pay? Do you put it in pre real revenue, like in the subs category, or do you count it as an actual operating expense underneath? I know, you know, my answer. So
1: I know your answer. My answer is different. So (laughs) I like to allocate compensation clinician comp as a percentage, just because it's typically the single largest expense in the business. Yeah. And if you're just taking it off the top as a sub, you're not really controlling the single largest expense in the business.
0: Oh, the so- one thing that you can't do, you can't just not pay it. So like the whole idea of having these percentages is like an operating expense. If you can't afford to use it or you don't have enough in the operating expense account, you're supposed to find a way to let go of some operating expenses. You can't do that with payroll. So I always feel like it's like the thing that it doesn't matter what it is. You have to pay it. So don't put a percentage to it. (laughs) I
1: see your point because you do have to pay it, but having it in its own separate account and having a percentage allocated to it, it really identifies a lot faster. Like when there's an issue coming up, if you can't make payroll, something is going on, right? So obviously You must pay payroll, but you've got to figure out what exactly is going on. That just comes to light a lot faster when you are splitting
0: percentages off the top. Mm -hmm. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) I'm still going to do it my way. I know. Um, (laughs) Which is probably why you never told me otherwise, because you see my profit first sheet when I do my stuff to it. Yeah. I feel like we've had this conversation before. Oh, no. ADHD brain might just have been like, oh, this is too locked out. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. So one of the big questions that comes up, which is the focus of this short little podcast episode is the actual percentages that people come up with, because I see people talk about percentages and they'll say like my owner's comp or distribution is at 50%. And then other people will be like, holy shit, like mine is only at 10% similar to what mine is and some of these larger practices. And it really comes down to, you know, obviously size of a business plays a big role in what the percentages are going to be. But I think people are having a hard time visualizing if they're in the right space because Mike's numbers are a little off from what our numbers are. And so then people are like, what are the right numbers that I should be at? Depending on my size. So I separate practices into four
1: main categories. So I look at solo practices, a small group practice. So that's typically going to be under 400K. A big piece here is that the owner is still seeing the bulk of the clients in a small group practice. So like the, the owner is seeing a, about 50% of the clients and there's maybe one or two part-timers or full-timers, right? There's other people in the business doing work, but the practice owner is doing a lot of work. Then there's kind of a medium group practice around 400,000 to a million. And then the large group practice over a million dollars. So these ratios work Pretty much up until 5 million. This is annual revenue. So, depending on where a practice stands there, obviously in a solo or a small group practice, the owner is still seeing a lot of clients or doing all the work in the case of a solo practice. So, of course, Owner's Comp is going to be much bigger because you're the one doing all the work as the practice owner. But as we shift into those larger practices, The owner is doing little to none of the clinical work, right? So there's still a lot of work to be done, but as far as the clinical work, it's minimal. So then the percentage is going to go down as far as owner's comp, just because there's so much more revenue coming in for the practice. So as far as owner's pay or owner's comp or the percentage allocated to owner's payroll, that can go anywhere from five to 10% for the larger group practices all the way up to like 60% sometimes in a solo practice. So it depends. It goes down, reverse. The larger the practice, the smaller that number is. And the same is also going to go for tax and for profit. Just because there's a bigger pie, the dollars are going to go up, but the percentages are going to go down over time. The tax percentage goes down as you get bigger? It can, because as a rule, we are looking for in a large group practice, for example, let's say a million dollar practice, we're looking for profit and owner's comp of 20% or more. Right. So all of those together. So that is the category that is what goes to you profit and owner's compensation. So that though gets split into three different profit first accounts that -hmm. would be profit, tax, and owner's payroll or owner's compensation. Mm -hmm. So if we're taking 20 to 30% and dividing it into those three categories, you're going to have just a smaller, somewhere in the five to 10%, depending on are you in a high tax household? What else do you have going on and how much you need to take home on a regular basis too? Very interesting.
0: What is your suggestion or is this going to be in your book? When is it coming out, by the way? Do you know? Book
1: will be out April, 2023, but I have a spreadsheet with these ratios already on the Profit First for Therapists website. If you go look for the Profit First assessment, you can see where you are now and
0: calculate your cap your current allocation, but also see what our recommended taps are. I'll have our team put it into the show notes as well to make it easier for anyone who's um, listening to it. Okay. That was what I was going to ask. Is there some kind of formula available pre for recommendation? Were you going to say something?
1: I was going to say, it's really normal to not be necessarily at the target allocation. That's a very normal thing. And there's no shame in that game. Like You just have to start where you are today. One of the most common mistakes I think in implementing Profit First is trying to go from where you are today to your target within like a month. And that's just very, very hard to do, right? Just like a crash diet, it's easy to fall off the wagon when you're trying to make all the changes all at once. So starting where you are today and making just small incremental changes, that's what's going to have the biggest long-term impact on the business.
0: What do you say is a good amount of time to make shifts if your numbers, your caps and taps are far off like a year? Yeah, six to 12 months definitely is not unusual.
1: There's impact right away. So there's positive impact immediately, but it can take
0: a little bit longer, and that's okay. What do you do if the biggest problem is payroll? As an example, in mine, you know, my operating expenses are so anything that I have full control over, like operating expenses, I am thrifty as hell. And like, if we looked at my caps, I feel like I'd be rich in terms of what I could spend in my operating expense account if I actually was had that much in there because I am so minimal with how much I spend. Where I overdo it, where I'm over is in any of the payrolls, my admin payroll, my leadership payroll, and then my therapist payroll. And I guess for practices that just have clinicians, let's not even take leadership or admin. How can you fix that other than literally taking people's pay away? There are some
1: cases where you literally do need to take some people's pay away. I know we've had clients come in with an 80% split. Yes. That's Once true. you add payroll tax, and like there's just the numbers don't make sense, the math doesn't work, you're better off having no employees than an employee at, at 80%. Yeah. So there are several cases where the practice owners has had to go back, renegotiate the contract. It's not fun, it's yeah. not easy to do, but sometimes it is necessary. There are other cases though where in your practice specifically, I know you've built the infrastructure for four locations. So there is the infrastructure there. We're just waiting for the session counts, the top line revenue to support that infrastructure. So in those cases, I mean, we know what's going on, right? Like it's a very known fact we're tracking that closely. And so we just have to wait very patiently, which is not easy. Wait for that revenue to come in because we know if we take things away, then we're going to have to just come back around and rebuild them in a couple of months. And in your case, I think also you've been very intentional. And I know you've always told me like, we're not reducing anything. This is my values. This is always going to be high. So that means payroll have to be, yes, in, in, uh, yeah, payroll and benefits, it's yeah. going to be high. And that means you've got to be thrifty in other areas, right? There isn't really a choice because that's how it works. So there's a lot of little pieces here, but typically if you're going to choose to be high in one area, you're going to choose to spend less in another area. And that might look like, having a virtual practice or having a significant hybrid model so that you can really save there or maybe having less leadership and the owner is doing more supervision and focusing their time there. So there's a lot of little ways that that can still work.
0: Yeah. Now for those that are wanting help is Green Oak. I always feel like I mention you guys all the time and then I'm slightly afraid that you aren't available to people, but are you guys still taking new people, new groups?
1: We are taking on new group practice clients. We do currently have a short wait list. So it is available, but just not quite today, but in a couple of months, we've got space available for you. Okay.
0: So if people wanted to reach out to you or get to know a little bit more about the stuff you offer, because I always, and I have your top tier, what is it? The CFO, fractional. CFO, yep. Yeah. And that really comes with so much support. And I think something that any medium to large size, I guess, based off of your categories. Yes, I would agree. Okay. Really, like I, I've said before, you you help with so much, not only from our limited as group practice owners, we have very limited idea of what accounting and bookkeeping really can include. We assume like the basics, keep our numbers that, of stuff we spent in order and then tell us when to pay our taxes. But in reality, at least with the CFO package that I have with you, I get so much support around helping me make decisions. Like I don't make... No many decisions at all in my business without consulting with you first. So you and Nikki, who's my HR person, you are the two people that when I want to make any decision, I have to confirm that financially it's something I can do. And then like from an HR perspective, it's something I can do. And so from break-even analyses and figuring out how long it should take for a certain new service that we're going to offer to be workable, like all of those things, which I think a lot of practice owners don't realize fall into that scope if you obviously willing to pay, yeah. for it. but that's been hands down. I think the most valuable thing for me is I don't feel like I'm winging it when it comes to yeah. deciding if I want to, should I open it at location? Like normal people who have regular ass accountants, like they would be like, oh, that's your decision. You're the business owner. But when you pay and invest in something like your CFO package or whatever, you get the objective Qualitative and quantitative feedback on how risky financially it might be to start a new program or service or location, and for me, that's always felt like I'm not alone in making decisions. Which is one of the biggest concerns group practice owners have is they feel like at the end of the day, even if you have 100 employees and leadership team, I'm like it's lonely, right? It all falls on you. In a lot of ways with the money aspect, even though I can decide or not decide, depending on what you say, I can just say, screw Julie and what she said. You have a right of veto always. Yes. But I still (laughs) feel like you're that expert when it comes to finances. I never feel like I know more than you on that when it comes to my business. And so I always default, which I feel like has been one of the safety measures for me. Anyways, how can they reach you? If we have some people who either have a really basic, boring, not helpful accountant or no accountant at all.
1: Yeah. So the best way to reach us is to go to greenoakaccounting.com slash consultation. You can schedule a consult to just meet with
0: us. It's super low pressure. You can find out about our services and see if it might be a good fit for you. Awesome. Thank you so much for coming on yet again. And I think I'm going to have you on Sometime right before April of 2023, because we're going to have to do a big promo on Profit First for healthcare. Healthcare. For therapists specifically, yep. Awesome, I'm so excited. Thank you. All right, I'll see you. Yeah, sounds good. All right, bye. Thanks for listening to the Group Practice Exchange Podcast. Like what you heard? Give us five stars on whatever platform you're listening from. Need extra support?